Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughters podcast. If you're new, I just want to welcome you, and if you are a returning listener, I want to thank you for coming back. Today we're going to learn a little bit more about how to be sensitive to God's voice. Something that I've struggled with is just the belief that God would single me out and speak to me directly, so I hope to address that today. first miscarriage in the spring of 2018. I found out I was pregnant on Mother's Day that year, and the DNC took place two days after my birthday. My second miscarriage happened while we were at Disney World for Christmas, and my third miscarriage occurred when we were just weeks away from moving across the country. I had a DNC and then drove to our new home within a two-week period. I remember when we bought our first home together and looking at the bedrooms in wonder, daydreaming about the babies we would bring home there. When we bought our second home after the move, I didn't have those dreams anymore. It came as such a surprise that we would have any kind of fertility struggles after already having two healthy kids. We spent a lot of time daydreaming while we were dating. I even kept a long list of baby names saved in my cell phone notes, a list that I actually still have with names I still love. In the garage, we have a box of matchbox cars that my husband has been saving since he was a child toys he planned to pass down to our little boy someday. It's still there collecting dust, even though all of the loss and trauma has happened, part of us still has hope. That part is just shrinking every day. I find it interesting that as humans, we spend so much time inside our own minds, planning and dreaming. I always sort of figured that since we are made in God's image, our dreams and desires aren't far off from things God already knows and understands. I even sometimes excuse my own obsessing, telling myself that God wouldn't allow me to want something that bad if he didn't want me to have it. And I'm not referring to possessions. I'm referring to my desire to have more children to have a happy, perfect marriage that suits my own expectations, or to have close relationships with my biological siblings. I'm learning that my dreams and dreams from God are two different things. Sometimes God speaks to me in ways that confuse me. I didn't used to believe that God would choose to speak directly to me. And I still can't always tell if what I dream or envision is just wishful thinking. But I want to share some experiences I have had that are totally undeniable. After my third miscarriage, my husband and I took a trip to visit national parks in Arizona and Colorado. 
We started in southern Arizona and ended in the Rockies. Sedona was one of the cities on our list, and we stayed at a resort nestled between the Red Rocks. In the morning, the sunrise would fill the sky with glorious rays of sunshine, and I felt peace. The purpose of our trip was to let go. I needed the time and space away from everything to really think about what had happened and to decide what I wanted to do next. As we went from place to place, things started happening. We were hiking, sightseeing, shopping, and doing the touristy things. But as we went, I brought a book along with me. It's a devotional called Longing for a Child. That book came with me to the border of Mexico, to Bell Rock in Sedona, to the tunnels of Antelope Canyon, to the edge of the Grand Canyon, to the cliff dwellings of Mesa Verde, to the great sand dunes, to the Rockies, and all the places we stopped in between. Each place we visited led me to new realizations. In some instances, it was just gentle words from a kind stranger. Other times, there were massive rainbows filling the sky, and other times, it was just a sense of peace washing over me. On the final leg of our journey, I had a dream. I was back in Sedona, standing in the rays of the sunrise, clutching my babies close to my heart, straining and crying because I knew what I needed to do. And as I looked up at the ridge of the rocks rising above me, God's hand descended from the sky. He asked me why I didn't trust him with my babies. He told me it was time to let them go. And one by one, I laid them in his great hand and said goodbye as he carried them to a peaceful sleep until Jesus comes again. But God didn't just allow me to place my babies in his care. He allowed my hand to brush his. It feels so weird to explain all of this out loud, but the amount of mercy and tenderness and patience God gave me in that time is just amazing to me. Those three years were some of the hardest in my life and I distanced myself from him. And yet he came to me, he set me straight, and then he healed me. He rewarded my trust because within a year, I had my baby in my arms. And that's just one small experience. The Bible is full of stories about the experiences people have had with holy dreams and visions. Some of the people from the Bible were gifted with abilities and talents from God. Joseph is a great example of that. But I don't really want to focus on the grand and obvious visions and dreams that God gives today. I love my own examples of that, and I'll never forget them. But I want to focus on the whispers, the nudges that push us toward obedience to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we are told the story of Samuel, still a child, and he's hearing someone calling his name. For some background, Samuel's mother was Hannah. She had a very hard time getting pregnant, and she promised that once God gave her a child, she would give him to the church. Samuel is laying in bed one night, 
and he hears someone call his name. So Samuel runs to Eli, his caretaker in the church, and asks him what he needs. Eli tells Samuel he did not call him and sends him back to bed. And this happens three times before Eli realizes that the Lord is calling Samuel. He instructs Samuel on what to say. Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. First of all, Kudos to Samuel for having the obedience and patience to go ask who needed him in the first place. There's a meme from Family Guy where Stewie, the baby, says, Mom, 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 over and over again. It gets annoying, right? So I think Samuel hopping up each time, ready to serve, is just amazing. How many times has God called your name and you've missed it, ignored it, or deliberately avoided it? Have you ever said, Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening? I love that this story is about a child, because, like I've said before, the praise of infants and children is enough to silence the enemy. Samuel, a child here, is up, alert, and ready to listen. If you read this story in the Bible all the way to the end, you'll know that The thing God wanted to tell Samuel was actually about Eli, his caretaker. Sometimes God doesn't bring good news. Sometimes God asks us to move, to warn, to rescue. Sometimes God asks us to study. Are you afraid of what God is going to ask you to do? Are you avoiding engaging with him because of that? This example of God's interaction with people is more obvious. Samuel was awake and alert even though he was laying in bed. So what about the even less obvious opportunities we have to interact with God? What about the little hints, the breadcrumbs that he drops in front of us, the word that gets stuck in your head? A few months ago, I woke up with the name Panina stuck in my head on repeat. I could not figure out where I had heard that name before, or what it meant. I sat and thought, and eventually looked it up, and that's when I realized where I had heard it before, the story of Samuel. Panina was the second wife of Elkanah, Samuel's father. The first wife was Hannah. Hannah has stood out to me for the last three years as a talisman for my own infertility. Hannah gave me the courage to pray boldly for what I wanted, and Hannah is who I thought of when my prayers were answered. So why now was I suddenly thinking of Panina, a woman I had never studied outside of a passing glance? I had always thought of her as a nasty, jealous woman. Elkanah married Panina because of Hannah's infertility. He preferred Hannah and treated her more favorably than he treated Panina. Panina would taunt Hannah about her barrenness, while also delivering children that were a constant reminder of Hannah's empty womb. 
Just from what I had read, I didn't like her. But something caught my eye when I was researching. There is this theory that Panina treated Hannah cruelly to inspire her to pray more fervently for what she wanted. I can't speak to Panina's motives, but I think I better understand what she represents. Panina is the unexpected. She's the twist in your family that you didn't see coming. When we got married and we worked through our premarital counseling, we mutually agreed that we would never struggle with infertility or miscarriages. I had already had my first child, and there was no indication that we would have any trouble. I totally dismissed the idea and then forgot about it until it became an issue. And then my sisters-in-law got pregnant and I felt like Hannah, like a failure to my husband and myself. Panina is other women having babies when you can't. Panina is the blended family where there's a husband and a wife and an extra parent outside of that. Panina is the abnormal where you wish things were perfect, but they're not. She represents everything we didn't want in our future for our family. The disruption to the perfect life we had written out in our counseling workbook. So why is she making herself known now? Why has God put her name on my heart? Well, maybe it's because I've been feeling a little sorry for myself. I fall into the trap of comparison, of wishing my husband was more of one thing and less of another. Maybe it's my overwhelming desire for peace and unity in my relationships. I've always felt that my family as a whole was very dysfunctional. But Penina makes me realize that even the people who seem to have it all, loving relationships and good, full-looking lives, have unexpected turns. Sometimes those turns may be truly malicious, and they might hurt a whole lot. But they do make me pray harder day to day for what I need. That one little name, that breadcrumb from God, helped me to reframe my perspective on the people in my life who are not kind to me. It helped motivate me to pray with more boldness and empowerment, and it taught me to look at the unexpected in a new light. God is always talking to us. He has singled you out before, called your name, planted words on your heart, and put people in your path that needed your help. Have you listened to those calls? I want you to be encouraged by this message. I want you to know that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Even in your brokenness, He wants you. He loves you just the way you are. If you haven't ever heard that, please hear me when I tell you that you are loved just the way you are, exactly how and where you are right now, and exactly who and where you were in the past. All that time, all those years that you may have spent thinking nobody could ever want or love you, he loved you. He still does. He'll never stop. I hope this week you look up, you breathe deep, and you listen. He is speaking to you.
much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me at Letters to My Daughters Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Please feel welcome to share any questions or comments you have with me. And let me know if there are any situations in your life that you want covered in next season's letters. Have a great day.